Thanks for tuning to Digital Voices Podcast, where we chat digital transformation, challenges and opportunities across healthcare and life sciences. And now, your host, Ed Marks. Ed here. Welcome to another drop of Digital Voices. Super excited because it's not often we get to interact with a health system CEO talking about digital transformation. Usually in our community, we're talking to other chief digital officers, but this is a really a special time for us to actually engage with a CEO. So we really appreciate uh, the CEO of Summa Health, Dr. Cliff Devaney uh, joining us today. So welcome. Uh, I'll just call you Cliff if that's all right, Cliff. That's yeah, great and glad to be here. All right, well, before we get totally immersed, uh, DJ Sydney wanted to ask you a question because you have the opportunity, obviously as the producer to, to hear a lot of interesting discussions. And, and today we have a hospital CEO. Anything you ever wanted to ask a hospital C or health system CEO? I think if I could think of something to ask, it would just be um, what all goes into like making a hospital function. Because obviously when I think of a hospital, I think of the surgeons and, and everybody that works there. But obviously there's a whole business aspect to it as well making sure everything so i think just everything that goes into that and the different kinds of roles that are played within the hospital yeah that's a great question i mean hospitals are like little cities you know they have maintenance you know they got restaurants they have food service so they've got people that are cleaning the streets but to your point it's um you've all got all kinds of different citizens so you you You've got the physicians who are basically the the directors of the care, but then you have a whole slew of people that have to carry out that care. And it's all based on an operating system. And typically hospitals will have one clinical IT system or they may have seven or eight and they all try to talk to each other. Um, and then you've got to make sure that you're dealing with all the compliance and all the regulatory issues and all. And so. It is an unbelievable experience um, planning from the time the person drives up and how they're going to park their car to how you get them introduced into the system and then making sure the follow up and all those things. So it, it is um, unbelievable. And I think interesting places to look is in basements of hospitals to see it's kind of like Walt Disney. You know, there's all this behind the scenes action going on and you, you don't have any appreciation for all that. So good question for sure. Yeah, that, that makes me smile because I remember when I first became a CIO is at University Hospitals up in Cleveland. And yeah, I had to learn the tunneling system. Yeah. That was the amaze how people really got around efficiently. Uh, and of course, because of the weather, you know, you definitely wanted, uh, you know, not to have to go outside all the time. So uh, yeah, it, it is it is pretty interesting. I think comparison to Disney is pretty good with all the the back door things that have to happen and service and uh, actually could we could... Uh, we could go there uh, pretty quickly in terms of some of the commonalities. So that's cool. So yeah, uh, Cliff has an amazing background. Cliff, I'll have you introduce yourself in a minute and, and give a little bit more color to it, but not only a CEO of a, of a health system, which also has a payer arm, but you know, a longtime executive OBGYN by training. And, and I noticed a little bit of maybe startup experience or, or some smaller business uh, type of experience, which makes you so super well qualified for your, your role. So yeah, we first met maybe six months ago. So uh, we had mutual friends and I had the opportunity 
to uh, interview with you actually, and uh, to serve as a board member at Summa Health. And I'm, I'm super, super excited about that and how it all turned out. And I just found you to be an amazing leader and why we wanted you on this uh, podcast. So a co two questions we ask everyone, Cliff, just to get to know you a little bit. What songs are on your playlist? So anything Peter Gabriel, Alison Krauss, and the Black Keys. So Peter Gabriel is my favorite artist, uh, male artist. I think Alison Krauss is my favorite female artist. And Black Keys is just, uh, they're from the high school I went to. And I have Christy Hines. I've got uh, Devo, all folks that graduated from Akron Firestone. But Black Keys are probably uh, the ones I will always listen to. Yeah, no, those, those are some good good musicians. Yeah, Peter Gabriel has to be one of the most innovative, uh, yeah. forward-thinking musicians ever. And he always, yeah, and change is something I always loved about him and just pushing the limits, so. Yeah, that's cool. And what about your life mantra or message? Is there something that sort of, you know, lights your passion that keeps you focused uh, on a daily basis? Yeah, I believe in the tenets of being a servant leader and that uh, I've been blessed with so many... Uh, opportunities over the years and I think giving back and making sure others are successful and that their sense of purpose is fulfilled um, and so I learned you know as a volunteer that you could make an impact that could affect others and so my job is to support our our team which supports our employees which makes sure the community is really living better as a result of the care that we provide. All right that's awesome so I, I did cover at a very high level who, who you were in terms of your uh, profession. Would you mind sharing a little bit about your story? You could de delve into the personal, professional, however you feel most comfortable. Uh, we'd love to get to know you a little bit more. Sure, so grew up in Akron, Ohio and um, graduated from Denison University and wanted to be a physician. I think when I was about 11 years old, I wrote a little essay about being a brain surgeon. And uh, it must've been that show emergency. I was always fascinated with how people could help each other out. Um, but made that um, process and got into medical school in Toledo. And that's where I met my wife the, about the first couple of weeks of, of medical school. And we dated and we both did residencies. She's emergency medicine and I do OBGYN. And then we both went into practice. And immediately I always found that I needed to learn more and have more experiences. And so when there were opportunities Availed to me, I would jump through that door. My mom said, "You can always jump to the door, and you can always jump back." So um, I'm, a, I'd say, always trying to learn, always trying to get new experiences, trying to get outside my comfort level, and I feel like I lead that way. And that um, we need to think about things differently. So um, I had no intention of being a hospital administrator, but in the middle of a surgery, I got asked to go visit with the CEO, and he asked me to become consider being the chairman of the OBGYN department, and I didn't even know what that was. Uh, that led to being mentored by Nancy Schlichting, who is the former CEO of Henry Ford Health System, uh, was a, a mentor of mine when she was here. And then um, we, I always seemed to get the jobs of where somebody had kind of a a vision or an ambiguous idea of what they wanted, but they need somebody to operationalize it and put it together. And so when SUMA didn't have a medical group and needed to hire physicians to meet community need, I was asked to do that. And we built a medical group. Uh, when they talked about clinical service lines of how do we create standards of care and consistency and something that can grow, 
I was put in charge of that. And then population health, which is really where we're good stewards of the dollars, but also holding people accountable to the cost and the quality. Um, that was something that I uh, took on here. And then I was hired by Catholic Health Initiatives in Denver, which was a health system that had about 120 hospitals. And again, they had no systemized structure around employing physicians and revenue cycle and IT. And then we also needed to get into population health and risk. And I took that on and then clinical service lines and then took on the clinical research. Um, left that organization when it was announced that they were going to be part of uh, merging with Dignity and become Common Spirit and went to a startup in Charlottesville, Virginia called Locus Health, which is now probably the number one provider of uh, remote patient monitoring and follow-up care for pediatric hospitals. So they started in the uh, cardiac surgery areas, uh, respiratory, NICU follow-up, um, and really are focusing on pediatric population health and follow-up. Um, and in early in my career, helped start a, a company where we introduced um, a systemized revenue cycle and IT to different health, uh, to little individual practices. So, but through that, um, ended up back in Akron, Ohio, as uh, after a call, went the CEO um, uh, resigned and was gone and they needed somebody to come in as an interim. And so in 2017, I walked in the door thinking I'd be here a year and it's been five years this week. All right. Wow. Well, congrats, congratulations on the anniversary. That's, that's yep. awesome. Well, clearly throughout your whole story, it, it's really about leadership. And, and a lot of times when we have guests who are CEOs, that's one of the questions that people have is, how do you continue to evolve your leadership? What are there specific actions that you take to make sure that you know you sort of sharpen the saw, as some would say? Yeah, you know, some people read books, other people go to conferences. I would say I tend to um, meet people and understand what they're doing and how they do things, um, and learn by example. I think in healthcare we have the academic side, but what we find is physicians and nurses really lean on each other to learn how to advance what they do. And if they don't do that, then they do the same thing they've done for 20, 25 years. And so healthcare is evolving and pushing. And I think I always look for where there's going to be potential crises or points where um, we can use that as an opportunity for change. Um, and I'm always thinking about, you know, what's best for our patients? How can we make their experience better? How can we lower the cost? How can we make it more convenient? And and so I think that's the thing that's uh, always attracted me to SUMA because uh, we we are both in the payer side, but also in the provision of care. So we have, a would say, a wider perspective of uh, our frame of reference than just being a provider of care. Um, so to me, that's the, the thing is always looking for opportunities to, to make things better. Um, and then I always have kind of a bent of how do we grow? So if I believe in what we're doing, then how can we expand it? And that that's something that um, I don't do it forcefully. I'm not a salesman, but it's more through influence. All right. No, I love it. Great, great yeah. stuff. So Cliff, you, we started talking a little bit about SUMA Health, that SUMA is both a payer and provider. So for those who might not be familiar with SUMA, can you describe SUMA Health uh, for our audience? And then we'll get into sort of the digital transformation that you're leading. Yep. So SUMA Health is based in Akron, Ohio. We're in Northeast Ohio, which is a very competitive 
healthcare environment with the Cleveland Clinic and University Health Systems and Altman and Akron Children's. Uh, we are about $1.8 billion in revenue. Uh, we were founded by a blacksmith and a uh, owner of a company that made machines that cut grass. And the two of them gave their estates collectively, and that created the original Akron City Hospital, which then grew through acquisitions and growth, those types of things. So we have been a safety net provider, the uh, really the community um, uh, organization that makes sure the health of the community is always improved. And so we're the largest employer. We have 8,100 employees. Uh, from an IT standpoint, we are on an Epic Connect uh, system right now, which we lease from Bond Square Mercy Health, but we'll be moving to the Epic Foundation in October of 29. Uh, but we, this will be the third EHR system that we'll have uh, implemented in this organization. Uh, it is still fragmented with lots of other different uh, types of systems. We have a medical group that um, has about 500 employed providers. We're a pluralistic health system. That means we have independent providers. So we have Team Health is anesthesia. We have USACS as the uh, ER provider. Um, and then we have uh, a pretty sophisticated, organized, independent groups of physicians here who are either part of Optum or they're part of Agilon. And they are in the risk business and they're looking at how to disintermediate the old ways of providing care on the inpatient and moving things to um, outpatient. So we've been trying to disintermediate ourselves for many years and not trying to hang on to the old models. And so we were seven acute care hospital licenses at one time. We are four today and we will be moving um, all the services at an older hospital to the main campus within the year. And we'll be down to three hospitals, but growing and expanding ambulatory care and getting care closer to home. Yeah, I think it's a brilliant move. Actually, I think we're gonna see more, more of that in the future you know, as we can leverage digital and, and other things like that. So, you know, having both a payer and provider, uh, do you think, is that a, a trend that you see growing that other hospitals might begin to adopt that model for population health and value-based care purposes? Or or what, what do you think is going to happen with, with that sort of model? Yeah, so we are all moving away from the traditional fee-for-service. You do something to somebody, you send a bill, and you hope you get paid. Uh, the federal government, Medicaid, and commercial payers are now saying, we're going to pay you based on outcomes as well as the, uh, the amount of volume. And like any other consumer, you, you basically will tip and you will pay a premium based on the quality of how things are provided. So we know healthcare is way too expensive in the United States, and we spend a lot of dollars and we don't have a lot of accountability so we started this 30 years ago to help Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company who were trying to get their healthcare costs under control and they asked us to consider a, a health plan. So it is very popular right now. We get at least one, um, I'd say inquiry a week of somebody, another health system, somebody saying, can you help us in dealing with this? A lot of organizations have developed what we call ACOs and clinically integrated networks. Um, but they only uh, use those to take risk on the upside. But when you really have to hold a half a billion dollars in premium and then provide the care and pay for it, it makes you think very uh, significantly about how you do things. So we use our employee health plan as our lab for how we disintermediate our things. How do we lower cost? How do we improve experience? All those kind of things. And then those get transcended. But the tension in the room is appropriate. and And so... 
rather than having silos of the insurance company doesn't talk to the medical group, doesn't talk to the hospitals. We force everybody to work together in an integrated um, leadership teams and they are accountable to each other and collectively. And so everything from our performance compensation to uh, how we're evaluated by the board is really based on the team rather than the individual entities. Yeah, love that. That's uh, great, great uh, insights for anyone uh, listening. Let's pivot now towards uh, digital transformation. So obviously, you know, it where where it's done successfully, it is led by the CEO. Tell us why. How did you become interested in that concept and and re recognize the need for it? So sort of your evolution and thought. Well, um, first. Everything we do is becoming digital. So it's been thrust upon us and we've all become very familiar with it and it's become an expectation. And so when I get asked, why can't I make an appointment on my phone or why can't I see my results on my phone or why can't I talk to my provider or the office? Um, and why do I have to kind of go through the old tradition of, um, you know, the telephone call or going there in person? and we are told by our um, uh, patient advisory groups, the youngers, you know, they don't want to interact with a human being. They want to be able to do everything. And, um, you know, the point where do I have to go to the dermatology office? Can I just take a picture of it and you look at it? And right. so, you know, it is the way of the future. And um, and we all want to see that. You know, we're I can't tell you how many of our senior management get frustrated with some of the experiences and the uh the inefficiencies. Um, we're at a point now where we had $4.5 million, 4.5 million completed phone calls last year of people trying to get services. And we had probably over a million that were dropped that didn't get completed. And we were not, you know, maximizing use of technology, bots and using stuff online and websites and all those things. And so we really are a growth company that's limiting our own growth because of technology uh, and not advancing it fast enough. What are maybe one or two key initiatives that SUMA is undertaking, you know, that would might be categorized under digital transformation? Yeah, so we, you know, we did forcibly, we got into the telehealth business. Uh, we had been using it for dermatology, but nothing else. And what we found was it applied through the different surges when people had to be locked down, all those things. But we found even with big snowstorms, suddenly a whole workforce could could move in that direction. Um, with the new um, integrated Epic platform that we're going to be putting in place, there's going to be a whole consumer experience on the phone. Um, and, and so things from that standpoint, we are using artificial intelligence um with a couple of our functions in revenue cycle and in um different areas we're using it now in radiology for overreads um and then when you look at callbacks and uh healthcare coaching healthcare reminders those types of things we're using that so it's it's very much um piecemeal at this point um, but what we want to do is get to more of an integrated platform where it becomes the, the full experience and then people then become part of that. So we're taking a lot of silos within the organization and getting people to really buy into the experience and the, uh, the advancement of the technology. No, that's, that's super. What, what advice, Cliff, would you give to peer CEOs? Because I would venture to say that, you know, given your background and the things that you've already spoken about, you're, 
you're definitely on the leading edge in terms of uh, uh, sometimes, you know, it has to be pushed from other people other than the CEO, but you, you understand it, you get it. What, what advice might you give other CEOs who are not quite there yet? They, they think that, yeah, they need to do something. What, what might be one or two steps they would take to, to kind of get to that next level, like where Suma is, and now you're prepared to, you know, hit all these levers on digital transformation. Well, one is be open-minded, I think, and go see these things, experience them, learn about them. And so don't create your own opinion on something you don't know about. But then I think uh, the reality is um, we have a responsibility as nonprofit organizations to continue to lower the cost and improve the care. And healthcare is one of the few places where the costs keep going up and the experience and the outcomes may not be going, you know, but every other industry is. And so um, we're very good at protecting our status quo, but the reality is the disintermediators are coming and they're coming because people are frustrated and they want to have a better experience. They want to have a better outcome. So to me, this is the opportunity that you will be seen as probably an innovator in your community and somebody who's going to be well thought of if you're pushing these advances and you're making these changes. And what you've got to do is create a safe environment where your staff doesn't feel like they're going to be in trouble if they try these things and they, you know, they need to be empowered. Um, but I think it is, it, you got to come up with some kind of a basic philosophy of what is your, um, your expectation for the patient experience. Yeah, that's great. What about, let me, let me do a variation of that question. So you're very fortunate, right? You recently recruited Elbridge uh, Locklear as your CIO, CDO. And what, and so he's ready and equipped because he has a great CEO, CEO you know, ready to uh, hit those levers working with the rest of the management team there. Um, what advice would you have for individuals like him working with CEOs to, just to uh, help encourage or, or sort of move that digital transformation agenda forward? So for instance, if I'm a CIO and maybe I'm not working with as a progressive uh, CEO, uh, what might be some things that I, that I could, uh, help that C CEO with, you know, in terms of understanding more about digital transformation? Yeah, I think it's critical that the CIO be at the table and be at the big kids table. So they need to understand the day-to-day the -day struggles, the what's the strategy, and they need to figure out how to apply that. They can't be the folks over there in that building that we don't really see very often. Um, they need to be out and about um elbridge is very good at being you know known by the clinicians known by the nursing leaders radiology leaders you know and 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 being interested in what they're doing and and then helping and then you know the key to a good leader is not only pointing out what's wrong but following up in the next breath with i've got a solution i've got an idea um and he's very good at that yeah yeah those are all good so for my colleagues listening that there you have, you know, from a CEO perspective, some very tangible things that that you can do uh, to further the digital transformation agenda to ultimately, you know, better patient care. So as we sort of wrap up, Cliff, what about healthcare and digital future? Where do you think uh, we're headed? You know, it's hard to, you can't predict too far down the road because tech for sure is always changing, but maybe three years down the road, what do you think might be happening and what are you preparing for? So we're preparing for more and more care in the home. Um, so we do about 30, 35 total joints a week now. 80% of those people, 90% go home. Mm -hmm. 
And so everything from the, the onboarding and the training of the patient, so to speak, of what the expectations are, but making sure you have the right equipment and you have the right way to follow them at home. So hospital at home, the remote patient monitoring, I think is gonna be, be critical. Um, you know, we are also planning on having a workforce that is, frank, I mean, somewhat spread out across the country. And so having comfort, I know some health systems are saying you have to live in this county. Well, if you can find really good IT security people in Colorado or in Tampa, where Sydney is, then, you know, why not? And, and so maximizing the work from home. And, and then we're seeing, you know, the, a lot of the regulatory uh, rules around where people are providing care and where they're licensed and compacts. I, my sense is we're going to see more efficient use of, of workforce because of technology um, being able to afford that. So we have neurology epilepsy patients in Chicago. We have epilepsy patients in Arizona uh, because the physician, they've been following that physician. Um, so to me, I think we're going to see more and more of that. So Cliff, for the last 20 some minutes, we covered everything from uh, sort of Peter Gabriel. Uh, I love Sydney's question. You know, what is it like uh, to run a hospital? What, you know, what, what goes on? And we talked a lot about leadership, you know, using your career as an example. We talked a lot about SUMA payer provider, uh, and then of course, digital transformation. Uh, is there anything else that I may have missed or you want to double down on as we end our time together? No, I think the one thing that that has frustrated me over the last 12 months has been the lack of civility uh, that we're seeing in healthcare. Um, you know, Mark, folks were all healthcare heroes in the beginnings of uh, COVID, and now they spend every day defending, you know, their themselves. They get yelled at, they get spit on, and and I think we just got to kind of reassess why and that's frustration and that's really a function of the anxiety a lot of people have been through a lot of trauma so the more we can uh come to grips with that and realize that we're all going through the same stressors um, i think that will help and uh, people are you know really questioning why they're in healthcare. and i think when they really contemplate on it they feel good about it and they have a good sense of purpose uh, we need more people in healthcare. So if you're frustrated with your job and you want to do something different that's meaningful, we'd love to have you. Uh, I think that's a great way to end. There, Cliff, you're right. There's no place like healthcare to serve um, and, and nothing against other industries. We need them all. Yeah. But I mean, talk. I, I feel when I go to bed at night and you know, I know Sydney feels the same way and you do and, and all the caretakers, caregivers at uh, Suma Health, you know, you, you know that you did something today that helps someone. Absolutely. So yep. yeah, it's great. Well, this has been tremendous, fascinating for me. I always uh, uh, learn more and it just reinforces my, my, uh, my love and care about Suma Health. Have a great leader like yourself um, who's there at the helm and with this whole digital transformation and taking care of patients. So uh, thank you so much for being our guest. All right, and thank you all and have a great day. All right, that concludes another drop. We'll talk to you next week. Hi, this is John Lynn from the Healthcare IT Today podcast. If you like the latest rumors, insights, and happenings in healthcare IT, you'll enjoy hearing my colleague Colin Hung and myself debate and share the latest happenings from the world of healthcare IT. Find the latest episodes or dig into our archive at healthcareittoday.com or search for Healthcare IT Today on your favorite podcast application or YouTube. 
When it comes to healthcare technology, we love this stuff, and we can't wait to have you join in on the discussion of everything health IT. Thank you for listening to Digital Voices Podcast with Ed Martin. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe on your preferred streaming service and leave a rating and review. And most importantly, thanks again for listening.